Yeah, this is Pat from Down, and you're listening to Rock and, and Metal, Metal Combat, Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! It's that time of the week again. That's right, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, with. Yeah! Ian Wadley. So let's get into it, Ian. What are we going to start off with? All right, uh, first of all. This is a special message from Scott Green from That Metal Station. Of course, they play us twice a week. We're huge fans of the station. They're, they're going through some change-ups right there. They're mixing it up. They're adding some new music and stuff, different styles of metal. It's still metal as fuck. I mean, it ain't going to be no fucking commercial, uh, you know, like uh, Five Finger Death Punch shit. But uh, but they're, they're going to mix in different eras of metal, and they're looking for new DJs. So if you're interested in being a DJ, man, you got to get in touch with that metal station. There's Scott Green and one of our own listeners, Mike Tyler, man. He's got two shows on there, and he's doing fucking incredible. And they're looking for more. So if this is something you're interested in, go to that metal station. Look up Scott Green on Facebook and check this out because that could be an amazing opportunity. And if you haven't checked them out in a while, check out that metal station, man. They're doing awesome. Hey, uh, just uh, I want to say something to Scott Green. Hey, Scott. If you need me for a DJ, no problem. I'll do it. It'll have to be 20 bucks a minute, though. What else we got there, Ian? All right. First of all, I want to announce uh, the end of the iTunes contest. Yeah, that's uh, it. We're, it's over. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's over. And uh, Terrence Jr., Josh Strobe, Strobe, whatever the fuck you won. Uh, you wanted this the, the, the worst out of anybody, and you really let that be known. And first of all, I just want to say... I'm really, really fucking disappointed that after we announced this and the prize we were given a personalized autographed copy of the Combat EP that everybody loves, we had like three people fucking leave reviews. And where this is really kind of annoying me is like so many people listen to iTunes. Like the numbers you see on the Podbean page... That's just people who listen to Podbean. Like today, we had like about 180 listens on Podbean. But in total, we had 1,000. The majority of that was iTunes. So a lot of you people are using iTunes. Come on and fucking leave a review. Leave a five-star rating, because I'm going to tell you where that fucking helps. I just, I was talking to the guys from Crowbar about coming on the show, and the first thing he said, hey, got to talk to the manager about like shows. So I went talk and explained the show. I sold the show. Very cool. They're, they're going to do it. We're going to work it out. But we're trying to get more people out here. But we're going to have to go through managers. And what they're going to look at, they're not going to go to fucking Podbean. They're going to go into iTunes. They're going to see how what, what kind of reviews and stuff like that. They don't have numbers there, so they're going to look at reviews. How many star ratings. So if you want these people on our show... Take a little time. You don't pay nothing for the show. It's free. Come on, do me a fucking solid. You're already using iTunes. Go on there, leave a five-star rating, and leave a fucking review, for Christ's sake. I'm asking you, please. I, I'm, I'm really I'm really disappointed. I don't mean to bitch, but I'm bitching. You know, that I, that's all I ask. Please, it helps us out, and it can help this show get bigger. 
And the way we get bigger is looking bigger. And that's how we're going to get named guests. Wouldn't you rather hear us interview stars and other people that you know are going to throw the same old softball questions? I mean, oh, you, you know. No, we want to do reviews our style with the people you love. And you can help us. You, you can help us more than anybody by leaving reviews and leaving a five-star rating and subscribing to us on iTunes. Thank you. Wah, wah, wah. You know, Ian, you're too obsessed, bro. Seriously. I think the people love the Ayatollah of Alcohola and Dr. Fuck more than some guests. Yeah, sure, I would love to have some guests too, but people are tuning in like rabid dogs just because of us two knuckleheads. So screw your guests. Yeah, sure, we can have guests. I agree with Ian. We, you know, hey, if you're on iTunes, what's the big deal? Just write that review. But you also got to remember that 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 Ian refused, uh, not refused, but forgot to mention was iTunes sometimes fucks up and they don't put up reviews after people. People, I, that Joseph, our winner, I'm not really giving him the CD because he wrote the best thing. I'm giving him the CD because he kept trying to get a goddamn review on there over and over and over again and kept failing and finally got it. He got one on there, right? Did he? Yes, he did. Oh, well, yes, he, he finally did. did it. I give him the CD for effort. Now, you know what? I would have given Joseph a CD anyway. And then uh, sign another CD for the winner that what came up with the, the greatest review. Now, I'm sorry. I haven't read the review, so I don't know how good his was. But I like him anyway. He's a good guy, man. That uh, I would give him the CD for free anyway. It was going to be personalized, signed by me, not the rest of the guys, because I don't even know where they are. Combat is a big mystery now. Uh, but what is more important is Thrasher Die has finally released. The album title, the album cover, and the titles of the songs, and it has been causing a huge buzz online. It even, um, God, man, I can't remember. I should have done my homework. There's a popular metal site that posted it saying, look, Thrasher Die got a new city. They, they put up the information, you know? And people are going nuts on the Thrasher Die. Everybody loves, you guys got to go on the Thrasher Die page. Look at this album cover. It's fucking awesome. It's genius. From my good buddy Chris Pothers. Uh he really did a bang up job on this man. It looks so fucking metal and awesome. The album's called Melting Your Skull, and uh, that's coming out in late October, early November. And I did something pretty genius, if you ask me. I told people, hey man, uh, if you're gonna buy it, let me know. I'll put your name on the thank you list. You know, everybody wants to see their name on a thank you list. Uh, so, you know, I got a bunch of people on the thank you list and all those people are going to buy it. And, you know, that's my little ploy. But you know what? When they buy it, they're going to put it on and they're going to realize that they just bought a fucking masterpiece. Yes, it is the greatest thing i ever done. If you thought combat was good, wait till you hear Melting Your Skull. I don't think I'm ever going to top this, but you never know. But it is the greatest fucking thing I've ever been involved with musically. It's fucking brutal killer and I can't wait till y'all hear it it's being mixed and mastered right now booklet's done ready to go early October late October early November thrash or die melting your skull is coming your way so Ian tell the people what you've been up to uh well 
my weekend was a little fucked by the Motorhead show getting canceled. But uh, uh, Friday, I did go see for the second time on this tour the uh, Motley Crue Alice Cooper tour. Uh, again, I had killer seats. Not as good as the first one, but still amazing seats. Uh, Cooper killed it. Uh, Motley Crue was, I mean, I mean, it was solid. You know, it was, it was a fun time. Uh, but man, I had a hard time getting excited about it because I was so depressed over the Motorhead shit on Saturday. But uh, it was a good show. It was a good show. Was, had, a, had a good time. Uh, Saturday, just got drunk and listened to Motorhead. And Sunday was amazing. I saw Saxon at, Jesus Christ, it was basically a glorified bar. But they were amazing. Played like they were at Monsters of Rock. I mean, just the, the set list. I'm glad I got to see them in a headline show because, you know, the set list was amazing. The band sounded so good. Uh, I, I mean, you couldn't believe that these, you know, some of these guys are in their 60s. It was just so solid. Hung out with the Crowbar guys. Hung out with Sammy from Goat Whore. Uh, man, hung out with Pat from Down. Uh, met the guitar player from Saxon. And it was just an amazing time. And I want to thank all those guys for, for a great night. And especially hats off to Saxon for putting on an amazing amazing show and it was a good crowd but I mean like I said they they played like they were playing to a million people and if they're coming to you man see them see it because you don't know when sex is coming back to the US and uh, oh my god it was one of the shows ever absolutely amazing check out sex alright cool um, uh, yeah you know I, I hate to overshadow your killer story which was killer by the way I thought what you just right. said I envy you dude I wish I could see Saxon. I haven't seen Saxon since the Denim and Leather tour because they don't come down here. But, you know, I'm sorry. I also went to go see Motley Crue and Alice Cooper, and I, I believe I had a better time than you did. Why, you ask? Because oh, yeah. I was on fucking stage with Alice Cooper, motherfucker. That's right. And thanks to Stephen Kirsch, he filmed me on stage, and I got to throw out balloons during the Alice Cooper, and boy, I threw them out pretty damn good and far. It was an experience and a half. Now, here's the thing. When I, I got, I'm not gonna get into like too much detail because it's kind of like top secret, but let's just say I got VIP for Alice Cooper, which means I got to go meet Alice Cooper after the show, but in this thing, there was a lottery that one of the people in VIP get to go on stage and throw balloons and I happen to be the winner so and I didn't really oh, I don't even want to get into that but let's just say I got the I got to be on stage with Alice Cooper I mean how mind-blowing is that I was on stage with Alice Cooper in front of thousands and I don't know what 20,000 people or whatever 15,000 whatever the fuck in the airline arena because the place was packed and I'm on stage throwing balloons out, and these people in front of me are rabid with the balloons. They were going crazy by me throwing balloons that I got such a rush. You know, I've been on stage before, and I know what it means. You know, I've, I played in front of 1,100 people in Thrasher Die. And I know what it's like to feel that rush. This one was like multiplied by a million, and I wasn't even performing. So I can understand what these people must go through, man, to be in front of that many people because I was... I went through such a rush. And watching the video, it doesn't look like I'm up there long. But when I was up there, it, it felt like an eternity. And I was loving every second of it. And what did I do? 
they walk me, you know, I do it, I go off stage, then they take me to uh, the back, not the backstage, there's a separate room. I got to see, oh, another thing, they, they put me right in front of Alice Cooper during uh, the Ballad of Dwight Fry. You know, I got to see him in a straight jacket, smack in front of me. That was part of, that was another thing that they, that was a surprise part. Anyway, so then I go to the back, and there's a bunch of people there, but it just turns out that only two people had VIP and myself. So it was only three of us with Alice Cooper alone. So they put us in the room, Alice walks in, Alice was as nice as could be, he was in a very good mood. I took my Dada LP, I took my Muscle Love cardboard box, I took uh, my Killers with the, with the calendar and my Welcome to My Nightmare vinyl. He had a, a certificate of insanity that he signed for me and uh, he, t he told me when he was signing the, the Alice Cooper calendar, he said, did you know this, this calendar was hung in the White House during the Nixon era? That Nixon actually had that uh, calendar up. He told me stories, because I asked him, oh, I can't wait for the Hollywood Vampires. I don't know if you're, you're aware of the Hollywood Vampire album that's coming out, yeah. Ian? Yes, yes. Yeah, he told me Paul McCartney's on it, uh, Robbie Krieger, Slash, and you know, uh, a bunch of other people, you know. And then he went into stories about, you know, because I told him, you know, the whole Hollywood Vampire. He went into the whole Keith Moon thing. He told me all these stories about Keith Moon. I mean, we are a little pressed for time, and I wish I could tell you all the stories. Alice Cooper spent 25 minutes with me and two other dudes. Fucking nicest guy in the world. Like, really told us stories. Loved, like... I asked him about, uh, oh, here's, another, here's an exclusive that you didn't know, I didn't know, no motherfucker knew, that Alice Cooper told me, and it shocked me. I told him, I said, Alice, do you remember playing here New Year's Eve? on the Constrictor Tour, and he goes, ah, I don't even remember yesterday. And then he goes, wait, wait, wait a second. Was that with Kane Roberts? I go, yeah, and then he goes, yeah, yeah, I do remember. I was three years sober that day. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Vinnie Vincent opened it. And then he said to me, did you know that Vinnie Vincent was once in my band? Did you know that, Ian? No. Vinnie Vincent was in the Alice Cooper band for a very brief time, and he kicked him out because Vinnie Vincent was a too flaky. Now, I didn't ask him, I should have, at what time frame that was. I'm sure it was before Kiss. But there, you got an exclusive. Vinnie Vincent was in the Alice Cooper band at one time. Now, I don't think they toured or made an album, but he was in. And then he did mention something about he was too shreddy and stuff like that. And then I walked out and I watched Motley Crue. Now, Motley Crue, I got to say, man, I mean, they were great and everything. They didn't throw out no fucking rare songs, though. That, that, that set list, except for Louder Than Hell, it was pretty much, you know, what you'd expect. They, no deep cuts, which disappointed me. But I will tell mm -hmm. you this. Motley Crue did the most insane fireballs and pyrotechnic show I've ever seen in my life. I, they oh, yeah. blew Kiss away, man. Especially when the cherry pickers came out and all that explosion going on with the fire. Man, I felt the heat. I wasn't that close to the stage. I wasn't far either. But I felt the heat from all the fireballs, and I'm like, I'm like, God damn, how's Mick Mars fucking handling this? Uh, the drum solo was fucking lame, I gotta tell you that. That was, I mean, visually it was awesome. Uh, the, the guitar solo was even worse, what was up with that? Did he do that, that really stupid guitar solo, Ian, in New Orleans, or were you just too drunk? I was way too drunk by that, I'd already seen it. Well, it was really lame, but other than that... <laughs> 
I think I went pissed during the car <laughs> Well, I don't know if you saw this online, but there was a little controversy at the Miami show. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, Nikki Six, yeah, Nikki Six did at one point grab the mic and started berating people in the front that were taking selfies of themselves. Now, online it says he spit on people. I didn't see that. But when he was on the cherry picker, he was spitting blood on people. Now, that is not technically getting spit on. You know what I mean? When you spit blood on people, it's part of the show. So I don't know if that's what people meant of him spitting. But yeah, he had a lot of blood he was spitting out. I mean, I was pretty close to the stage, but on the side. And when the cherry picker came out, he was very close to me. And I saw him spitting out blood all, all over people. But I don't really see that as a thing. Nikki Six is a little brat. Come on. I mean, the guy's like... I got to tell you, man. I got a candidate of Vince Neil, though. To me, Vince Neil still hits those high notes. Hey, he's a pudgy guy now, but he puts effort in. He, he, he's the guy that looks the most happiest on stage. And you know what, man? Vince Neil gets a bad rap. Because Vince Neil does a lot for charity. Raised like millions and millions of dollars for children cancer. And, you know, because he's, he's fat now, people make fun of him. And, you know, and, and that whole thing that happened like 30 years ago, being a drunk driver. I mean, forgive the guy already. It's not like Razzle was so fucking innocent either. You know, he was, he was drunk too. So, you know, and he allowed this guy to drink. I feel bad who, who uh, Vince uh, crashed into. I do feel bad that Razzle died, but I fucking think people are idiots to think that Vince Neil killed Razzle. Yeah, like Vince Neil's like, oh yeah, I want to kill this guy. Really? Anyway, I applaud Vince Neil. Uh, Molly Crew put on a great show. Al Scooper destroyed. It was a night I will never forget, ever. You know, and I also got the Dirty Diamonds uh, necklace. Uh, there was a lot of cool shit they put in the bag. Uh, the set list. Um, uh, it's just a, a bag of goodies. And the bag itself has a picture. Oh, uh, limited edition uh, t-shirt where it's a VIP and it shows Alice in the guillotine. And uh, let me tell you something, man. Uh, I, I think that's very worth it. I think the Alice Cooper VIP package... Believe me, I've been on a couple other ones that were nowhere near as cool as that. You know, I've been on the Oz. The Oz one was cool. Go ahead. I, I, I will say this, because I, I was on the floor. Uh, we got to go to a separate bar. And a lot of those people were all uh, Motley Crue VIP people. I saw a shitload of people with Motley Crue VIP shit. And all of them complained. Said it was horrible, wasn't worth the money. Motley Crue gave them like two seconds. Yeah, and uh, and, they, and and Tommy Lee doesn't want no part of it. Yeah, you know yeah. oh Tommy Lee, Tom, yeah Tom, Tommy Lee says he owes nobody a picture. He's like, you know, you're lucky to have my art. I don't owe you shit. Uh, so everybody there complained about it. So if you're gonna still go to the tour, don't waste your time. Yeah, get get an Alice Cooper. Go, go get an Alice Cooper was so fucking cool. And he sat there and he talked to us for like, you know, there was a bunch of other people backstage and they made them all wait. And Alice Cooper spent time with us. And then till, till we, we actually felt kind of like, all right, Alice, thank you so much. We didn't want to like, uh, I'm telling you, we would have stayed, he would have kept talking. We, I missed the first song, which was Girls, 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 which I don't care because I never liked that song. And it's a stupid opener if you ask me. Uh, but, you know, I heard Girls, Girls, Girls while I was talking to Alice. And, uh, you know, then I walked out and I saw Wild Side, which I love. 
And you know the rest of the show was great. It's just they didn't throw out Red Hot, you know, or fucking. What what, what did uh, what did Alice say when you uh, told him about the podcast and asked him to be on it? Well, oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. I was so ready to get an ID from Alice Cooper. I had everything set. I had the, uh, my camera in my pocket, ready to do it. But the one thing, this is the one complaint I will say about Alice. Before he came out, they told us we all had to put our cell phones on the table because Alice doesn't like people using their cell phones to take pictures of them. He's con- he just doesn't like that. He said anything else Alice is cool with, but he doesn't like people taking pictures of his cell phone. That alone discouraged me. And, and here's another thing. I was having such an amazing time with the guy. He was so fucking nice that I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't want to say, oh, Alice, by the way, can you take an ID with my camera? You know, because they, the, they, he hired a, there's a guy, you know, the guy, remember Feed My Frankenstein, that big Frankenstein creature? The guy that yeah. was in that right. suit, the guy that was in that suit was the guy taking pictures of us. And, uh, the net very next day, they already gave me the pictures. I didn't even wait like fucking 24 hours. But I did not bring up the podcast because I was having such a great time with Alice and that whole thing about putting your cell phones on the table discouraged me and I was afraid to ask. But I was, I actually had my camera in my in my, in my my pocket, ready, you know, I was gonna take it out, give it to one of the guys there, you know, flick on the video, like I've done before with Jakey Lee and Bobby Blitz and, Eddie Trunk and all that. I was ready to do that with Alice Cooper. All right, yeah, we have been uh, going on and on here, so let's get into the news before we get into our review. What do you got? All right, well, this is the one everybody was talking about today, and that was, uh, you know, Paul Stanley's diss on D. Snyder, you know, and uh, once again justifying the makeup on Tommy and Eric and, uh, man, this shit was all over every page today, and... You made a funny video in response to the to this hoopla, and uh, why don't you start off talking about this, Ralph? Well, uh, I, I I don't know. I didn't read too much into it. I just read the little title. I didn't actually hear it, the audio. Okay. I didn't really hear Paul defend the makeup thing. I heard him more attack D, calling him uh, fake, a wannabe, and a twisted sister, a bunch of buffoons. Well, right. and I know the Kiss Army is gonna get mad at me, but. You know, I mean, well, no. Let me rephrase that. The idiots in the Kiss Army are going to make it The smart ones in the Kiss Army will understand when I say that without all the pyrotechnics and all that bullshit, put Kiss on stage next to Twisted Sister. Dee Snyder can still sing. Twisted Sister is vicious live. They will eat Kiss for breakfast and shit them for lunch and then shove it all down Paul Stanley's throat for dinner, all right? That's just the way it is. Even if you hate Twisted Sister, if you go see them live, you will be converted because Twisted Sister is one of the most vicious. No band should follow Twisted Sister. And believe me, I saw bands follow Twisted Sister a couple years ago. Anvil, who's, I love Anvil, but oh my God, it was a slaughter because Twisted Sister went on early. Anvil had to follow that. It wasn't a good. It wasn't a good scene. Let me tell you. Um, and uh, by Paul Stanley calling D. Snyder a wannabe, uh, excuse me. Uh, wh- what do you call the Spaceman and the Catman in your band now? What are they? It's it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous how 
hypocritical. And yes, I made a video today that you all should look. It's called Kiss Deluded, where it starts off with an interview with Gene Simmons talking about the makeup should only belong to Ace and Peter or else it'll become diluted. I put that clip, I put another clip of Paul talking about only the original four should wear the makeup. And I added a few things in there to make them look like hypocrites. So look it up. It, I, it, the name of the video is Kiss Diluted or, you know, go on my channel, Almost Human 56. You'll see it there. I think, look, and another thing, not, not, I'm not here to defend Dee Snyder because, man, lately Dee Snyder's been saying stupid ass shit. You know, like attacking Doug Aldridge constantly and with the whole, you know, original lineup shit. He, he seems a little Paul Stanley-ish lately, but I stand behind Dee Snyder 100% when it comes with, you know, what he said about Kiss. Am I right, Ian? Do you agree? Uh, yeah. I On almost all fronts. Uh, yeah, Paul's a bitch, and Dee, yeah, Dee has been a bitch lately, and uh, my biggest bitch with Dee lately is he is attacking all these other people, but, like, where, where's your new music? Where's a new Twisted Sister album? And he's like, nobody's interested in it. But man, if, if you really believe in music, you, you shouldn't care if people want to buy it. You should like, you should have this drive in you that you want to do new music. And, uh, you know, I never bought this D. Snyder wrote everything shit because I've never seen him play a guitar or any instrument other than sing. But he is a great singer and I, I love D's voice. And they do bring it live. Unfortunately, I saw them bringing it live with Christmas songs, too. But, uh, but no, I agree. There's no way fucking Eric and Tommy should be in that makeup. The only reason they are in that makeup is because if there was new characters, those shirts wouldn't sell as much as, like, fucking... It's all merchandising. They wouldn't sell, and people wouldn't care as much if it was something different. Uh, you know... It, it, it's a couple of old crotchety prima donnas going at it and I, I see both their sides I see where Kiss can slam them and I can see where Twisted Sister can totally slam uh, Kiss and I agree with you 100% though if you see Twisted Sister live uh, th that is a brutal show I mean they do a t until they oh come all you faithful but uh, <laughs> you know when they play like regular Twisted Sister songs uh, they can still whip that fucking ass, and, and, and D does sound incredible. And I, I just think it's funny to see a, a couple of crotchety old crossdressers go at it on Blabbermouth. That's that's a lot of fun for me. Yeah. All right. What else we got in the news? All right. Well, Richie Blackmore's giving some more details about his new rock comeback. It's going to be four shows in, in Europe, of course, because nobody in America gives a fuck, or at least I should say, not enough people in America give a fuck. Uh, but he did allude that there are there are going to be Rainbow and Deep Purple members part of this live show. He gave you know no names, so we don't know who. But it's going to be four shows, and he's just playing Rainbow and Deep Purple. And if somebody filmed this shit, you know, uh, he's saying you know he, he just turned seventy. He's got some arthritis going on, so he wants to do it now. You know, it might be easier to strum a, a mandolin than it is to fucking play his strat the way he does. So he wants to do it. Now, I, I think he's deeply affected by the passing of John Lord. I think that really brought this on. That like, hey, man, I'm gonna die. Maybe I should play some rock and roll and maybe I should 
you know, make amends with people. I doubt very much Ian Gillen's going to be part of it. But uh, I'd, I'd be very interested to see who's part of it at Deep Purple. I really hope more than anybody that it's Ian Pace. I really, really hope it's him. Uh, uh, I don't, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't think it's going to be anybody in Deep Purple's current lineup. I have my fingers crossed it's going to be Glenn Hughes. That would be godly. Yeah, I would even love to see Coverdale, but I, I nah, think nah, that... Coverdale's no. voice is gone. Have you heard him lately? The guy can't sing anymore. Uh, I, I, yeah, but I, I don't know. People, I understand. People age. People, you know, it's like... Yeah, but, just, but Glenn Hughes has an age vocally, bro. No, but you know what I mean? It, it's it's like people say, you know, like, oh, you know, fucking Dave. I'd still rather see Dave do what he does now than I would hear uh, an amazing Sammy Hagar sing those horrible songs. Or, you know, like, like Ozzy. I, w- I would rather hear Ozzy but a tough version of Symptom of the Universe than I would a good version of Mom, I'm Coming Home. You don't have to be 100% for me. It's more about the feeling. As long as I know you're feeling it and you're trying and you're giving your best, I can forgive some shit. I would just rather see you out there doing it. You know? Well, all right. I mean, I'd, r- I'd rather hear somebody sound awesome. But that's just me. There you go. All right, go, go. Oh, another. I want to add. Yeah, this is amazing. I would. I might. You know, if I didn't have this European tour coming up, or maybe hopefully during the European tour, I can catch one of those shows. Because seriously, that's something I would fly to go see. Because you know, I, I've only seen Richie Blackmore twice. I saw the Straight Between the Eyes tour, and I saw Perfect Strangers, and I still don't feel like I've seen him enough. So I would love to see Richie Blackmore one more time. Play those old shit, old songs. You know. That would be great. And another thing I saw just today, there's a documentary coming out on Richie Blackmore. Did you see this? Yes, I did see that. And yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. It had interviews with Brian May, and I can't remember who else. There was a couple other people talking about Richie. And uh, I can't wait to see that, you know, because Richie Blackmore is a big mystery. He's like, he's always been a mysterious dude, you know? So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Richie Blackmore, one of my favorite guitar players. Technically, may not be no Ingvay and shit, but he'll blow Ingvay in a lot, almost every guitar player away with pure fucking emotion. Because when that guy plays, like when a blind man cries and stuff like that, it's like fucking, you can feel the, like, the blood of his heart all over each one of those little fucking notes he plays. I love Richie Blackmore. What else we got to lose? Alright, well another thing everybody's talking about is the new Iron Maiden album, The Book of Souls. And, uh, and you know what, Ian? I'm going to say it right now as an exclusive to our audience. Next Sunday, we're going to review that album. I don't. I think I probably like it better than you, but it, that, that's going to be an amazing review. And uh, you got to tune in next week for that show. And I'll tell you this now, and this is how much I love you people that listen to us. I sat through that double album, and it, to me it was pure torture. But I'm going to do it like three, four more times. And take notes, because it is very fresh. And you never know. It might grow on me. It, it's not impossible. You know? And let's see what has grown on me and what hasn't. I'm going to take notes, and me and Ian are going to get together. We're going to review this. Strike with Iron Talk, because everybody's talking about uh, Book of Souls. So... Tune in next week, and we're, we will have a review on it. And I don't know, Ian, if you're going to do it, but let me steal your thunder a little bit and be a little Walter Cronkite-ish. 
and bring up the fucking marvelous story of Bruce Dickinson saying he regrets that he didn't slap Axl Rose back in the 80s when Axl Rose was like making fun of some audience in Canada because they smoked French. I find this hilarious. Number one, Bruce Dickinson is not no tough guy. Why is he challenging? Like, why is he saying that he would have slapped Axl Rose around the same time where Nikki Six fucked his wife? Yes, a lot of people don't know this. And I will tell you this, uh, Ian, and I know he's probably listening, but I'm not going to give the kid's name. But you know this really annoying kid online? You know who I'm talking about that we deleted from this page? Well, he's, he just so happened to be on this other page. And that story came up, and then, you know, of course, I said something to the effect. No, actually, he was the first one going, Bruce will kick his ass. Bruce will fuck Axel up. And I was like, I don't think so. Axel, and, and, and let me say this before, because a lot of people will think Bruce Dickinson will kick Axel's ass because they're fanboys, and they can't help it because they're such fans of Iron Maiden, and they hate Guns N' Roses that obviously they're going to think Bruce Dickinson's going to kick Axel's ass. I'll tell you this right now. Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, those three albums destroy anything that Guns N' Roses has ever done, in my opinion. So I'm more of a fanboy of Bruce than Axel, and I still would think Axel Rose will beat the living shit. He will turn Bruce Dickinson into tea and crumpets, okay? <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because Axel Rose is fucking nuts. He's a loose cannon. That guy punches. You go on YouTube, he punches people in the face in airports. Bruce Dickinson gets on stage and starts berating an audience and making fun of people. And, ah, and then goes into the next song and starts waving his arms up and down like one of those balloons you see outside of a store. Those balloon fucking creatures. And, um, but Axel? No, no. Don't jump in the audience and fucking start beating ass. The guy went into like some sophisticated fucking party with Tommy Hilfinger. And fucking punched him in the face, too. The guy is insane. Axel Rose is a loose cannon, and he would destroy, destroy Bruce Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson without a sword ain't shit, okay? And even with the sword, Axel Rose would do that little snake dance, and fucking Bruce will never fucking hit him with the sword. Uh, what do you think of that story, uh, Ian? Yeah, well, I've I got to agree with you there. I don't care what Terrence says. Uh, I, I, I think uh, Axel would kick Bruce's ass, even though I'd rather be on Team Bruce. I would love to see Bruce kick this. Somebody needs to kick this shit out of Axel Rose, but Bruce Dickinson ain't the one to do it. Yeah, it ain't going to be him. Blaze will do it. Yeah. I, Blaze, have you seen Blaze on YouTube getting pissed at somebody? That guy looks yeah. fu- That guy looks scary. He's just- I, I would love to... I would love to see Paul Diano kick the shit out of fucking well, Axel un- Rose. Un- unfortunately, I don't think that'll happen either, man. Paul's a yeah. little... Paul's like a little too heavy, even heavier than Axel, and uh... Oh, well, well so is Blaze. Blaze is fat as shit Yeah, now. but you know, but, but Paul also has a bum knee. I mean, he's a mess. I love Paul yeah. Diano, don't get me wrong, but the guy's not physically fit to, like, even beat Bill Ward's ass. And, you know, in case our listeners don't know the story, what happened was Nikki Six, uh, this was during the Girls, Girls, Girls era, I think, or maybe it was, uh, Theater Pain. I know it was the 80s. They were in England, and just like the Beatles song, uh, Bruce Dickinson's wife came in through the bathroom window of Nikki Six's hotel. Nikki Six didn't know that was Bruce's wife. She looked good. She looked hot. He banged her. 
Next day, he goes to a show. I don't know if it was a Mayday show or backstage at a Motley show. He sees Bruce Dickinson with the same chick saying, oh, this is my wife. And Nikki Six was like, oh, shit. So that's the story on that. All right. So anyway, enough of this shit. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about Motorhead. Unfortunately, I uh, didn't get to see my show Saturday, and my friend will probably never get to see Motorhead. Uh, but... He said he's recovered from his lung infection, and he did, in fact, play a full set last night in St. Louis. So, uh, I'm happy for that, you know. I think whoever planned this fucking tour is stupid as shit. Lemmy should not do back-to-back dates at his age. He should do, like, a, a you know, every other day or fucking a show in two days off. Let's, come on, man. The motherfucker's 70, and he doesn't play fucking, you know... This isn't goddamn Coldplay music. This is hard, heavy music, heavy bass playing, heavy singing. Uh, whoever booked this tour is a fucking asshole. Um, the people that are listening to us in South Florida, uh, they are playing um, the Pompano Beach Amphitheater. I know they're playing up in uh, Orlando as well, but I just got an email from Ticketmaster. They're giving away a ticket if you buy one. So buy one, get one free. So just so you guys know. For the Motorhead date, I can't remember what date it is down here. Look it up online. But if you live in South Florida, you get to buy one, get one free. And, you know, I'm going. And, hey, man, maybe I'll take you. Hey, you leave a really good fucking iTunes review. I'll buy a ticket for you, and I'll meet you there, and I'll get you in for free. How's that, Ian? That's awesome. There you go. All right, what else? All right. All right, here, here's a story I found a little rather pathetic. Uh... Dave Manichetti from Y&T recently told a story about how Ozzy got down on his knees and begged him to join uh, Ozzy's solo band, saying that Brad Gillis wasn't cutting it, you know, he doesn't know how to be a rock star, and he really wanted uh, Dave Manichetti to join his band. It may or may not be true. I know Y&T has a lot of fans, and I like a few songs, but to me, for for the most part, he sounds like a third-rate Sammy Hagar clone. Oh, you're and I don't crazy. Like Sammy Hagar. You're crazy. I love Dave Manichetti's voice. And I love Y&T. It's an amazing band. You're crazy, dude. Listen to Earthshaker. Yeah, I, I mean, granted, granted, I, I, I don't know about a shit ton of their stuff, but the shit I've heard, uh, you know, and I know most fans hate this album, but I think the best song I heard by them was fucking Contagious. Oh. You know that, that that's that's summertime girls. Oh, that that yeah. does sound like Sammy Hagar through and through. That shit's terrible. Okay, I'll admit that song sucks. But what band doesn't have a song that's like, hey, leader of the pack? You know, come on, you're gonna judge Twisted yeah, Sister that, on that? That's no, it's like like I said, I, I grant some people are bigger Y and T fans than myself. Maybe I need to delve deeper. But to me, he's got a Sammy Hagar-esque voice, and maybe that's what turns me off. I don't I don't hear it at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Really? And, yeah, and, right. and, and as a guitar player, oh, my God. One of the greatest guitar players by far is Dave Manichetti. Amazing, amazing guitar player. Now, I want to say, as far as the story goes, it kind of contradicts what Brad Gill has said, you know, because he, he basically left Ozzy for Night Ranger. He was in Night Ranger before, and then he got a record deal, and he left, and and, and and as I understand, they left on good terms, and there was no bad blood between Ozzy and Brad Gillis. So, and 
they were going to get George Lynch, not Dave Manchetti, as I remember, but then it ended up being Jake Lee. That's what I, that's, that's the story that I heard. So this whole Dave Manichetti thing is news to me, man. That's, it might be true. I'm not saying it's a lie, but it really doesn't add up from all the stories I've known because I know my Oz history. All right. Well, to me, it just seemed, uh, you know, kind of a cheap grab at, at some headlines. Uh, but there you go. Y&T fans, if I offended you, man. Uh, all right. Last story. Uh Brian Johnson from ACDC recently did an interview where, you know, they were asking him how much longer they've got, and he said, hey, there comes a time when you just got to call it quits. And I've got to say I agree with him 10,000%. Uh, I-, I love ACDC. I know you really like the last album, Ralph. I really didn't care for it. But uh, I think there's nothing wrong with bowing out gracefully. And now that they're down Phil Rudd and they're down Malcolm Young. If this is the last thing they do, ACDC has done enough, you know. And if they want to, if they want to go and retire, I see nothing wrong with that. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent I'm not too crazy of ACDC without Malcolm or Phil. Um, I, you know, I mean, it has to be the back and black lineup. I'm sorry. I just, I was never happy with. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know you don't like them, but I never had a problem with Simon Wright. But I did have a problem with the bald guy because that is my least favorite ACDC album. And I know it's a very popular one, but I don't like uh, Razor's Edge. I thought that was a very... You didn't like it either, though, did you? Uh, there's some songs I really like, and there's a lot I don't. I think it's better than Fly on the Wall that a lot of no. people are not No. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, not Fly on the Wall. Blow up your video? No, no, no. Flick of the Switch, a lot of people love. What? That one's never got. Yeah, that one's never got. Flick of the Switch is like Back in Black Part 2. What are you doing? Crazy? It's a great uh, so, album. See, I, I, yeah, but I, I like For Those About the Rock better than Back in Black, so. Oh, okay, go. yeah, okay. Then then you're, you're just wrong. I get it. All right, but my point is, is that it has to be Phil Rudd. Phil Rudd was there since the beginning, you know? And I know he's like fucking nuts now, but... But here's the other thing I also want to say. By you and I, I mean, I know you don't care, but I have a little more of a, uh, you know, like a little more of an easy attitude when it comes to like certain bands. It's like, all right, ACDC, I don't care. You know, I mean, I love the last album, but without Phil and this and that. But there are people that never seen ACDC, so I'm happy for them to go on so other people can see them. You know, because everybody should get a chance to watch Angus live. I don't think Brian Johnson is that bad live. Seems good. I mean, at his age. And he's such a class act. I love Brian Johnson. I think he's such an amazing human being. He just seems like such a cool fucking dude. And, you know, Cliff Williams holds it down. The nephew, whatever his name is. I mean, I saw the Blow Up Your Video Tour where Malcolm was in rehab. And he took over. I had nosebleed for that show. And goddamn, he looked just like Malcolm back then from afar. So my point is, you know, and I know I'm, I'm going to sound a little hypocritical because the next news story, I don't know if it's the next thing you have, Ian, but I know you have one of these news stories where I'm going to sound very hypocritical by saying what I'm about to say now and then what I'm going to say when you bring up the next uh, news story. People that have never seen ACDC, people should have a chance to see them. So if they don't retire, I'll be fine with it. But there's another band that should fucking stop. And I'll get into that later. 
All right. What else do we got in the news? All right. Well, you might as well get into it now because that's the last news story. All right. Yeah, I have a lot, plenty to say about this. The final Black Sabbath tour. Oh, yeah. I did forget about that. Tony Iommi. Now, get this. This, this kills me. I can't believe this shit. And I can't believe how nobody has noticed this. He puts out a press release saying, look, I can't do this no more. So this is the last tour. I can't do this no more because touring is too hard for me. Uh, I got cancer, so it's not good for me to be touring. So I can't do this no more. By the way, I'm going to do it some more. Hello? He's going on tour. What the fuck? I thought you couldn't do it no more. I think this is disgraceful, but at the same time, yes, please, do your little farewell tour. End this disgrace because they are my favorite band ever. No band, to me, is better than the original Black Sabbath. And I wasn't happy with 13. I wasn't happy with 13 tour. I had front row for that. Dead set. Actually, I had the best seat in the whole place. I wasn't, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to support it, but I ended up going for free and I was dead center front row. Okay, I gotta say, Ozzy sounded great. I mean, the band sounded great, but it wasn't Black Sabbath to me, man. Because if you take Geezer out, it's not Black Sabbath. You take Ozzy out, it's not Black Sabbath. You take Tony Iommi out, it's not Black Sabbath. You take Bill out, it's not Black Sabbath. Oh, sure, the Dio year, Ray Gillen, I mean, Ian Gillen, Ray Gillen, uh, Tony Martin, Glenn Hughes, all of it phenomenal. I have nothing bad to say about every Black Sabbath lineup. I love them all, but none of them were like the original Black Sabbath. They didn't sound like the original Black Sabbath. They were awesome in their own right, but to me, it's all about the original four. And if it's not the original four, stop. Because I, I can accept Black Sabbath going out there with a different singer and a different drummer, but no, not Ozzy. Because if it's Ozzy, it has to be Bill, Geezer, and Tony. So, and I also think it's disgraceful how Tony, who I consider God and I love him with all my heart, but it hurts me, that he has to say shit like that. And on top of that, he says, which I love, he goes, and as far as Bill Ward goes, well, it's up to him. It's up to him uh, if he wants to be on the tour or not. It's all up to him. In other words, what Tony really means, and people don't notice this, is Tony saying, it's up to Bill to take up that shitty contract. It's up to Bill to get fucked over. You know, that's what he's saying. Bill just came out and said, we talked about this last week about Sharon being a pain in the ass, being part of the problem. And you know they're, they're offering Bill shit, but Tony doesn't mention that. Tony wants to throw Bill under the bus acting like, hey, Bill, Bill has his opportunity to join us, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. Why, Tony? Why? Because he doesn't want to. Would you do it? I bet you anything Tony Iommi will not do it for the same price they're offering Bill. Get oh, the no. fuck out of here. And it really pisses me off how Black Sabbath is going down like this. They, to me, are called Back Sabbath. That's what I call them. Back Sabbath. And they, the fuck never say die. Die. Not literally. I'm talking about the band. I don't want Tony Iommi to die. But I want this band just to stop. So I am happy this is the farewell tour. I am happy after this, they put Black Sabbath to rest. And I'm hoping... They don't do a new album. What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, 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 I agree. Go away already. You know what's really sad is you guys have made your fucking money. You're going to die relatively soon, most likely. 
man, give the man a slice of a fucking pie and fucking do it. Go out with some dignity. You know, it, it's it's like, really, do you need that much more money? You know, and that just shows you that it's more money than it's from the fucking heart. Do it from the heart. You've made your fucking money. Okay? You're not going to live forever. Go out with some fucking dignity. Go out with the man who was there with you when you started this. Show him some fucking respect. And they're showing him no respect. But I, I've, I've, I've heard, you know, a, a few people comment that have done interviews and talked to Tony Iommi that Tony Iommi has a very low opinion of drummers. And and I, I see that because even with that, the, the, what I thought was a half-baked fucking album, that uh, Devil You Know, uh, you know, th they just basically did it with a drum machine and told Vinny Appice, who I think is, is a good drummer, uh, you play along with this drum machine because you're a drummer, you don't matter. Well, my favorite drummer of all time is fucking Bill Ward, and his drums matter to the sound of Original Sabbath. And, uh, it's sad. They're, they're not coming here on the tour. I saw that it's very few dates. It's not a lot of dates. And I understand that because of his health. But you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm not lamenting the way I'm sad about Van Halen not playing New Orleans. Um, uh, with Black Sabbath. You mark know what? my I, I words, saw... Ian. Ian, mark my words. They're going to add dates. Watch. Mark my words. Well, I, I've heard they are, and I've heard they're not. You know, And, and if they come around, hey, I'm going to go see it. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go see it. But, you know, if I miss it, I'm not going to be like, like I'm going to be crying when I know you're watching Van Halen and I'm sitting at home masturbating, you know, to, to kitty porn. You know, because. No, don't like, say ah. that. I got to edit that, you know. You, no, can't no, even, I, I, you can't even say that playing around these days. You can't. Well, no, I'm talking about cats. Little, little oh, cats. Kid, oh, kitty, oh, kitties. Oh. Damn, dude, hook me kitties. up. I never seen that. Yeah, I'm getting, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting aroused right now thinking of that. Yeah, that's some crazy they, pussy right there. Do, do they do those little? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like oh my god, hook me up. I will. I will. Cool. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I, I do hope it's the end. Uh. And it's sad to say that. I mean, that's really sad to say. But, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of Black Sabbath, let's just end it there like they should end it. And let's talk about uh, the front man and his 1988 album, No Rest for the Wicked. All right, Ozzy Osbourne's No Rest for the Wicked, released in when? When was this, 88 or 89? I'm a little cloudy on this. 88, came out September 28, 1988. Oh, man, I'll never forget uh, the first time I saw Miracle Man, I believe that was released before the album came out. And when I saw that, it was such a relief. Because uh, unlike Ian, and unlike many of you out there, I was not a fan of Glossy. I didn't like the Glam Ozzy. I didn't like Ultimate Sin. And when I saw the video of Miracle Man, where it's all heavy metal, and he's in a church, pigs running around, I said... It was actually me and my buddy. We, we both saw it together on Headbangers Ball. The world premiered it. And we both were like, dude, Ozzy's back. Now, this is the Ozzy I love. Evil, uh, no glittery fucking shit, no heavy keyboard. Ron Nevison produced. Who produced this album? I think it was Roy Thomas Baker, right? Uh, him and Keith Olsen co-produced the album. All right. Well, there you go. The guy that did Queen albums. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it was, this is fucking. This is a heavy metal album, and if you ask me, I think it's my favorite. 
after, uh, well, no, I, I would have to say, give the edge to Bark of the Moon. And, of course, the, the two Randy albums are my favorite, but I de this one's definitely way above Ultimate Sin. Uh, and uh, then I ran out and bought the album, and I was equally satisfied how heavy metal the album was. Uh, not really, I mean, even songs that I would say are not as good as other songs are not bad songs. There's not really a bad song on this album for me. I think every song is, uh, is you know, some's tolerable and others are awesome. And I was very, very impressed by, I believe he was like 19 years old. Wasn't Zach like 19 years old at yeah. the time? Yeah, 19. Yeah, blew my mind. And I saw the tour and I'll talk about that later. Uh, but before we get into the albums, what, what, what's your take on No Rest for the Wicked? Uh, I bought this right when it come out, came out. I was waiting for this. This was the first studio album that I was like, you know, anticipated right when it came out. I got into Ultimate Sin like a little bit after it came out. And, uh, you know, bought Tribute right when it came out. But this was the first studio one. I was I was really excited. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I remember I was a freshman when this came out. And I I remember that, man, because, like, school just started, just started high school. And uh, I was playing this, like, nonstop for, I'd say, about a month or two. And then I just kind of get burned out on the album. And it's one, like, I never really have gone back to. Uh, listening to it, you know, for this review, I haven't heard this album at all, probably, since, like, the fucking early 90s. But, uh... It's, uh, I don't know, I, I think you, you're going to end up liking a lot more than me, but uh, there is some shit that pleasantly surprised me. So, uh, why don't you go into the first track? Uh, like I was saying, Miracle Man, first time I saw it, I, it floored me. Uh, probably my favorite track off the album. I love that riff, I love Zach Solo. Uh, who, who's the bass player on this? It's uh, Bob Daisley, right? The incredible Bob Daisley. Yeah, yeah, the incredible bitch, Bob Daisley. Who, uh, <laughs> it's Geezer back in the band in the video, and uh, with Randy Castillo on drums. Very underrated, I think, drummer Randy Castillo. I liked him. I thought he was very underrated. I thought he was very, very underrated. Sad to see him pass. Yeah, it was, it was, it was sad. Yeah, the, and and he and he and he passed and like. You know, the, not really a lot of like, you know, wow, you know, uh, like Randy tributes out there, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Like a lot of people don't talk about Randy Castillo. And, but uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a documentary coming out on him. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I saw like the trailer for yeah, it or something. me too. And I, and I look forward to seeing that because, you know, I was aware of Randy Castillo back in uh, uh, Lita Ford. Uh, right. Yeah. The, the, the Gotta Let Go video and... Uh, Dressed to Kill. That was the first time he came into my radar. And he's great, man. And, and, um, and this song is fucking great. I love everything about the song. I love it's Ozzy's way of getting back at Jimmy Swagger because at that time, Jimmy Swagger was caught with a hooker, which was, uh, you remember that story? It's fucking hilarious. He, he had a hooker in a hotel, right? And some guy that knew that he was doing this went and slashed his tires and called the cops. No shit, that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that shit's classic. That's like, awesome. Gonna, yeah, he slashed his tires and called the cops on him, and so he couldn't get away. Um, so yeah, that was Ozzy's revenge because Jimmy Swagger was really bashing Ozzy a lot. How Ozzy's a sinner and he's going to hell and this and that. 
And you know, then you have fucking Ozzy starting the video with a Jimmy Swaggart mask, saying the classic line Jimmy Swaggart said first time he got up on the uh, up there on his pulpit, saying, uh, "Please forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned." Yeah. And then he takes off the mask and he's laughing and he's pointing at the camera like, "Ha ha! You gotta love that, man." Uh, Miracle Man, one of Ozzy's greatest tunes too, man. Uh, what do you think? Oh yeah, I love it. I remember the video and it was because that was all over the news back then too. I mean, that was a big fucking story, and uh, and the video was perfect. Uh, him with the mask running around, uh, all the pigs and stuff. Uh, and it is, it's a solid metal tune, and you know, lets everybody know that he's got a new guitar player, Zach Wild, and. Uh, Zach, I believe, co-writes on every one of the songs on this album, and uh, and and does a real good job on this. I mean, I miss Jake. Uh, Jake's still my favorite, but uh, I, I love Zach. Got nothing bad to say about Zach. Says so sometimes he does the pitch harmonic a little bit too much, but I still love him. Yeah, a lot of people complain about that, um, but uh, I don't. You know what? I actually don't mind it. It's this little call and call. You know who does it a lot too? Is John Sykes. Yeah, and I got nothing bad I to think, say about John Sykes. And I think uh, Zach may have borrowed a little bit from John Sykes because John did it way before Zach, and Zach has gone on the record praising uh, John Sykes' guitar playing. So, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's where good, he got it from. That's a good one to copy if you're gonna. Fuck yeah, John Sykes rules. So yeah, uh, I mean it's a classic. I don't think he's played it much since this tour, though. Uh, yeah, well, he Has did he? it on he did it on the No More Tears tour. Right. After that, I don't think so. I don't think he's ever played it with Joe Holmes. Uh, or, or since Zach's been back. Yeah, or Gus G. Or Gus G. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, this is an album that gets overlooked. Though, uh, I believe in the beginning of the uh, Scream tour, uh, that he was playing Fire in the Sky. Or I know at some point he bought back Fire in the Sky in some really? later tour. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember seeing that. I, and I want to say I... I saw in one of the last tours he did uh, solo, he did uh, Breaking All the Rules. No, I, no, he's no, never no? played that song live. That oh, song's no? never been played live. No. I could have swore I saw that. Okay, that must be no, wrong. He's never played that song live. That I or mean, Crazy Baby Blue. Oh, and, and that's what's funny. There's a live video for Breaking All the Rules. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, which is all, you know, it's like them setting up the stage and him singing it. Right. And then they, show, they throw in live you know, live clips, but when you see them actually performing Breaking All the Rules, you don't see an audience. Right. Well, another thing I, I just found out today, I didn't know, they did a, uh, a live EP from this tour called yeah, Just, ha- yeah, just yeah, Say Ozzy. Just, just Say Ozzy. You didn't know that? Well, no, 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 no. I had it, but what I didn't know about it is, you know, it says it was recorded, I believe, at the Brixton in England, uh, and then I found out they didn't use any of it. It was totally redone in uh, in a studio and added crowd noise. They totally oh, wow. wiped, yeah. They totally wiped the tapes. They did take all those songs from that show, but then uh, decided to redo it all in the studio and add crowd noise. I really love "Shot in the Dark" on that. Uh, oh yeah, EP. yeah, and of course that's the reason uh, it's out of print now. You know, that's another one that he never. Uh, ah, and it was the video for the album. I don't know if you know this. They made yeah. a, the video to promote "Just Ozzy was "Shot in the Dark." Yeah. So yeah, you can't get. Uh, Ultimate Sin, uh, Just Say Ozzy, or Live and uh, Live and Loud. Is that the name of the one from the No More Tears tour? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those Which are I all. Have, I have the 
Uh, I don't know what they would call it. I have this really rare. Uh, you got the speaker grill? That, yeah, that I got it too. I got it too. Yeah, still that, got that's it. rare. That's still it. got all my tattoos and everything that yeah, came with that, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it all, dude. I I remember a girl I was working with when it came out. She went and bought it the same day, and she comes into work with all the tattoos on her arm. Oh, what a moron! I'm like, are you crazy? You can't do that. This is gonna be worth money someday. And she's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I was like blown away that somebody would do that because I'm the asshole that won't do any of that. You know, I gotta save it. You know, me and too, man. I, I still have my 1977. Uh, Kiss Alive 2 vinyl with the tattoos still in there that I bought way back in like 78. Wow, nice. The tattoos are still in there and the book, everything. Nice. The whole shebang. Nice. All right, well, we're getting sidetracked here. Let's get into the second track. That is Devil's Daughter. Uh, now, this is one that uh, caused Black Sabbath at the same time was putting out Headless Cross. And they changed... Uh, they changed the title of their song to Devil and Daughter uh, because Ozzy, there's actually two songs here uh, on this album that Black Sabbath ended up changing their lyrics because Ozzy's came out first. But uh, Devil's Daughter, to, to me, it's it's filler. I don't hate it at all, but uh, it, it doesn't really do anything for you. There's some, some tasty uh, guitar work on it by Zach. It does have a nice solo, but uh, other than that, it, to me, it, it's kind of forgettable. And I, I got nobody to blame but, uh, you know, my man Daisley. Because Daisley wrote uh, the lyrics to every song on here. Uh, co-wrote every song. Uh, a lot of this was all written with Ozzy. I mean, uh, <laughs> Ozzy. Uh, uh, Zach, Bob Daisley, and their keyboard player at the time, John Sinclair, who stayed with Ozzy, I think, till the end of the 90s. But uh, he's also the one that's responsible for the horrible keys on the, uh, the Ozzy video from the Ultimate Sin Tour. Uh, what's the name of that one? You know what I'm uh, talking the about, ultimate, The Ultimate Ozzy. Yeah, Ultimate Ozzy. And, uh, man, I tried watching that a, a little while ago, a couple months back, and the keyboards just drowned everything out. It was fucking absolutely horrible. But, uh, but yeah, he also co-wrote all these songs. But, uh, Back to Devil's Daughter, don't really do much. What do you think? Uh, before I tell you what I think of the song, and I'm not going to say this in anger or anything, because it's gotten to the point where it's in epically hilarious proportions, how you gloss over uh, the importance of melody, especially in this song where I love the melody. You don't know where I live. You don't know where... Whatever the fuck he says. That's Ozzy. That's Ozzy's contribu- contribution. And who knows? Maybe he did write some of the lyrics. We don't know. None of us really know. If we're going to go by Bob Daisley, who thinks E.T. was around in the 70s, uh, who pretended E.T. was down, uh, you know, it, you really got to uh, question your, your own uh, sanity, Ian Wadley. Uh, Ozzy, Ozzy, and even Bob Daisley, who cannot. Bob Daisley and uh, Geezer Butler both have said it, that Ozzy contributes melody. And... This whole album, every single song that Ozzy's ever sang, it's his melody. And what he usually does, this is what he does. He'll scat lyric a song. He'll go in there and, you know, have you ever heard the Paranoid uh, with uh, scat lyrics? No. I mean, it's horrible. The lyrics are horrible. But it's Ozzy just singing going, you can hear it on YouTube because 
uh, what Ozzy does is he'll sing to the song. And he'll say, I love you and you love me and we will go on all the time. I don't know what there is going, but you know I don't know why. He'll say something like that and then Geezer will take that and write lyrics to it. Ah, interesting. Then you can hear it. You can hear that because it came out on the on the expanded edition of Paranoid. They have scat lyrics on there. Uh, anyway, I got that. I haven't listened to that song yet. Though. Yeah, yeah. You'll hear Ozzy's like crazy, you know, it's horrible. The words he says but that's the classic melody everybody knows and you know and i always loved there was this one guy that got in an argument with me because everybody loves to argue with me because everybody is so hell-bent on disrespecting the godfather of heavy metal the guy the first voice of heavy metal and in my opinion the first headbanger ever yes ozzy's the first guy to headbang go look at 1970 clip and tell me who headbanged before ozzy the original uh, headbanger Ooh. Bob Daisley said the original headbanger was Tom Jones in 1942. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed he didn't say it was him telling Ozzy to headbang. No, yeah, yeah, no, he said he told Tom Jones how to do it. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I, 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 I'm going to go back. Actually, the original headbanger was Bob Daisley when he would headbang his head on the lap of anybody that would give him a fucking job. <laughs> I heard he headbanged on Richie Blackmore's knob. <laughs> anyway, uh, Devil's Daughter. Oh man, this song ain't forgettable to me. It's like one of my favorites, though. Uh, I agree, not played live, so therefore, you know, when songs aren't played live, they are considered filler. I would say this would be a filler, I guess, but I love this song. You know, I just, I love everything about it. It's eerie. I love the, 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 the vocal delivery of Ozzy, uh, the music, the riffage. Uh, you know, the keyboard's a little predominant on the song, but it kind of works. It's not like, rocking out night before the lightning strikes again. I love that song. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, then again, you're, you're also known to be a headbanger on people's laps. Hello. So, uh, Devil's Daughter. I love this song. It's, it's very heavy metal, and I remember the first time I heard it. Right after Miracle Man, I'm like, oh, man, this is kicking ass. Then we go into Crazy Babies, which was the second video that they released on this album. Never played live. Really? Never played live. Wow. And uh, let me, let me, well, I'll get into it. Hopefully I'll remember. But I saw this tour right when it started. It wasn't the first show, but it was very early in the tour where Anthrax opened and... By the way, that the night that night at the it was at the Sun Dome in uh, Tampa, which uh, they were supposed to play down here, but it was canceled because I I think Ozzy Ozzy I think at this point, believe it or not, was kind of like at the all time low of his popularity. It was he was he was still popular. The album went platinum, but it wasn't as big as Ultimate Sin or Bark of the Moon or anything that came along. So he ended up playing the Tampa Dome and not playing down here. So I drove up all the way to Tampa to see it. Anthrax opened, and that's where Anthrax filmed the On demand. anti-social video. Oh, anti-social. Remember the video? The oh, not yeah, yeah. Man, not man running through the crowd? Yeah, it's Ozzy. He, no, no, well, it's Ozzy at the end right, of right. the video. Yeah. But, you know, they show footage of the not man running through the yeah. crowd. He ran right by me. And, I, and like, I'm... Right, because he's because the thing is, I was up, I was up in the nosebleeds. Though the Tampa Dome is not that big, but he was running up in the nosebleeds, and I was right there, and he just ran right by me. And they used that footage, but you don't see me. It was dark. It was a dark. It was during 
Actually, the Knotman was running around while they were playing the Blues Brothers intro. Oh, nice. You know, remember how they used to yeah. do that before yeah. Anthrax would come on stage? I have such a great memory, man. Anyway, so uh, that show was early on the tour, and their songs from No Rest for the Wicked played that night that were cut from the set list because later on in the tour, they had a pay-per-view. Remember pay-per-views? Oh, yeah. Uh, for a show they did in Philadelphia, which you could see on YouTube. And there's uh, two songs that they cut from No Rest for the Wicked that I got... I was fortunately got to see. Now, but I'll, I'll get to those songs later. Well, I, I, I could be wrong, but wasn't that <laughs> the Philadelphia show where the Breaking All the Rules video was filmed? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no. I, I, no. Was, I was thought it was filmed there. Okay. No, but they did use some of that footage for that shot in the dark video for Just Say Ozzy. Oh, okay. There, there you can... They, what they did for that shot in the dark video, they, they used Moscow clips from the Make a Difference Foundation show. And uh, Philadelphia, both combined. But no, that, though it's the same tour and same stage and everything, they didn't use no footage from the Philadelphia show on that. Okay. A- anyway, uh, Crazy Babies, I love it. I love the song. It's 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 awesome. It's weird they never played it live. It, in a way, it kind it's kind of like Ozzy getting close to Zeppelin in a way. I get a Zeppelin vibe off Crazy Babies. That's just me. What do you think of Crazy Babies? I fucking love Crazy Babies. I, I love it. It's classic Ozzy to me. I can't believe he hasn't played it live. Uh, that'd be a great one to bring back. And I remember at the time feeling awkwardly attracted to the little girls in the video. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I mean, I was poor, but they were little girls. They were cute little yeah, girls. Yeah, but how old were you? I was like 14. Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, but I mean, they, they dressed them up like whores. I mean, they, they look like fucking, you know... They tried to dress them up like women. And they were little girls, and I, I remember uh, like I remember to me th- they looked evil as fuck. <laughs> I, I remember I, I like that gosh shit, but anyway, uh, I remember thinking they were cute, but I'm like, this is wrong. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't think they're cute. They're really young. <laughs> right. But uh, the but, rumor back in the day was that was Ozzy's daughters, but that was not true. No. But uh, but not uh, great video and uh and great song, man. Uh. Well, like I said, I, I'm still, my mind's blown that he's never played this live. Because I remember this song getting a lot of airplay, you know? Yeah. On MTV, even on the radio. And it, it's, I, think it, it, I think it even did better than Miracle Man. I, I, I think it did. It, it's more of a catchy song, too. I mean, yeah, Mi- yeah. Miracle Man's more of a metal track, and I, and I love that. But as far as, like, a catchy, you know, song, man, you, you can't beat Crazy Babies. Right. I dig it. And then we go into, whoo. Might be my favorite song on the album. Fucking uh, breaking all the rules. I really, really fucking love this song, and uh, this is one I, you know, I always played the shit out of when I was listening to this. And uh, when I started listening to this for the review, it's like, oh man, I can't believe I haven't heard this in so long, man. I love this fucking track. Uh, real good one. I surprised wasn't a hit, and I believe this was played on the No More Tears tour too. I'm, I could be wrong. Never played live. Okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's, right, even, that's right, that's right, that's right. Not that even on No Rest for the Wicked. Wow. Never played live. Wow. Uh, well, man, it should. It's fucking killer. Yeah, just about the rest of the albums played live, except for these two singles, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, two out of the three singles were never played live. Weird. You know? Uh, but uh, I like breaking all the rules. Um, not as much as you. Not my favorite off the album. 
I, I, there's two songs on here that are tied for my favorite. One Miracle Man and the other one's coming up, uh, which was not played live in the Philadelphia show, but I saw them play it live. Uh, Breaking All the Rules, it's a fun song. It's more traditional. It's the closest thing to Ultimate Sin, but I, I, I actually I like it a lot. Um, it's just a fun tune. I dig it. Let's flip the album over to um, his uh, his his uh, Mr. Crowley of 1988, because it starts like with the keyboards and the you know the evil vibe. Song about now. There's been con- there's been talk about this, and I I can't I can't believe. Uh, they, that uh, people are confused by this song, but it's so obvious. It's about Charles Manson, Bloodbath in Paradise. Y- you agree? Uh, you didn't well, know that? I, well, no, now, now that you say that, it makes sense, and I can't remember which one I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting confused because there's also Blood Red Skies, which came out around this time uh, by Judas Priest. But there was, right before both of these albums came out, there was a guy going around shooting people on the freeways in Los Angeles. Uh, he was just going out, uh, like, on an overpass, and he would target cars and just shoot them. And that went on for about a month. And uh, I also heard this song was about that. Well, I mean, well, there's, they also said it about something else. But man, with, with lyrics like when Charlie and his family make house calls, you know, it, it's just so obvious it's about Charlie Charles Manson. But they also said the song was about World War II. Like Charlie, you remember that? Charlie, they used to call the Chinese people Charlie. You, you, you mean uh, Vietnam? Was it Vietnam? Okay, I'm sorry, Vietnam. Uh, they also said it was about Vietnam, but reading the lyrics, it's like, it's very obvious to me it's about um, Charles Manson. Now, the beginning of the song, there's some backward masking. And uh, if you play it backwards, it says, your mother sews socks in hell. That was Ozzy's <laughs> little, like, uh, joke to anybody that would take the time to play it backwards. Uh, nice. Which is clever. Not as clever as Overkill. Did you ever hear the backward masking on the Overkill Feel the Fire? I don't know what it's, it says, though. Okay, it's hilarious. The album's over, right? And then you hear, right? You play it backward, and he goes, there's no message here. You're going to ruin your needle, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love that. But anyway, uh, Black Bath and Paradise, total heavy metal. Played live. Stayed in the set list all through the no, uh, rest of the Wicked Tour. But then dropped afterwards, because I don't think they've ever played it since. But it's the total heavy metal song on the album. The epic heavy metal track. I love Blood Path and Paradise. It's a song about Charles Manson, if you ask me. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not bad. Not great. Uh, not a horrible song, but it's just it's nothing I would go right to. I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel that way with this whole album. Like, there's something... It's not bad. It's just there's something missing, and I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, uh, but I think there, there's a reason I never really went back to this album, uh, and this is a perfect example. You know, not horrible, but it's just I don't want to go yeah and grab this one like I do Bark at the Moon or Diary of a Madman, you know, or even Ultimate Sin. Uh, 
don't know. I and I don't know. I don't have anything witty or mean to say. It's just not one of my favorite songs. But uh, it is better than. Uh, or no, I shouldn't say that. I'm getting ahead on the songs here. The next one, "Fire in the Sky." I really dig this one. I think this is a great deep cut. Uh, and you said this has been played live Actually, recently? I saw them play it live on the No Rest for the Wicked tour, but then by the time they played Philadelphia, it was off the set list. And yes, they did play it live with Gus G early in that Scream tour, but I missed it. I didn't see it. But it uh, was played live. I could be wrong. It might have been the tour before Gus G. The last tour was Zach. It might have been that one uh, where they played it live. I'm, I'm a little hazy on when. But I do know they did play it live uh, many, many years later. I don't know how long it stayed in the set, set list, but Fire in the Sky was brought back to the set list many years later. Interesting. Uh, I would love to hear it. I, I think it, this is a quintessential deep cut, uh, you know, because never a single, even though it was played live, uh, not a lot of people talk about it. Uh, it's just a good, good fucking slow groovy song what i like is there isn't really like an outright ballad on this and i love that because i'm really not a huge fan of ozzy ballads but i like when he has slow tempo like darker numbers like this i like it better than like you know mom i'm coming home or so tired you know that's just outright ballad and i can totally do without that shit but this one it's perfect really dig it what do you think i love it too before i get into the song i want to say a funny story there used to be a guy I used to trade bootlegs with, and he got a copy of a Pro Shot Ozzy show from No Rest for the Wicked where they play Fire in the Sky, and he showed it to me at his house. I'm like, yo, man, burn me a copy. He's like, oh, I, I promised the guy I got it off of. I would not give this up. Fucking prick. I don't, I, what? I, don't, I, I never talked to him after that. <laughs> because I've given that guy so much shit. You know, I'll give you an example why I don't talk to the guy. It was only only because of that. There was another time he came to my house and he borrowed, this was way back in the, uh, like right when DVDs were coming out, but you know, we were still borrowing VHS and he came to my house and he borrowed so many VHSs from me. And then I went to his house and I was borrowing some of his VHSs and he goes, yeah, you know, since I'm letting you borrow these VHSs, burn me this and burn me that. I was like, hey, wait, 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 you borrowed a bunch from me and I didn't ask you to make me anything. That was a dick. Anyway, probably it's probably out on YouTube now. I, I should do a little search because there is pro shot footage of them doing Fire in the Sky. I love this song. This is the epic song. Ozzy always has that epic song on the album. Before it was Killer Giants, Waiting for Darkness, uh, Die of a Madman, Revelation Mother Earth. And he's just carrying the tradition. I think this is where it stopped. I don't think there was any more. Uh, is there? I, I can't think of any. After No Rest for the Wicked, though. Well, I... See, I I would almost put No More Tears in that category. You're right, you're right. No, no, no. Not almost. Definitely No More Tears. Because that that, that is an epic track. Definitely, but that's where it stops. God, I I remember remember seeing that video world premiere on uh, Headbangers Ball, man. And I thought, at that time, and I still love it, but at the time I heard it, I was like... Now this, I was like, this is the best thing he's done since Black Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was really blown away by that. One song. of the greatest Zach Wild guitar solos is in that. Song. Oh, and that, no and that bass, that bass. Even though it's Daisley playing it, Mike Inez wrote that. Isn't uh, that which, weird? How did that? Yeah. How did that happen? 
Yeah. Did Mike Inez play on that album at all? I don't. Th- I think he was. I, I don't know if he did. I think it was Daisley, but he was around for some reason. I know this was. I mean, he had to be to write it. I think uh, Bob Daisley's an incredible bass player. Yeah, and yeah, so is Mike. I, I like Mike Inez. No, I do too. But you see, I said something positive about Bob Daisley. I really like there his bass playing. Um. Anyway, so back to Fire in the Sky. Yeah, it's the epic song on the album. Uh, what is it about? Is it about nuclear war? I don't even know. Um, but it's great. It's an awesome song. What does it go into? Tattoo Dancer after that? Yeah, that's the next one. Yeah, which they, I also saw them play live and stayed in the set list. It's also on the Just Say Ozzy uh, yes, it is. EP. Yes, it is. Uh, this is what featured Randy Castillo live with the drum solo. Uh... I love it. I love it for every reason that Ian doesn't like it. I love it because it's heavy metal. I'm sure Ian doesn't like this because he doesn't like Bloodbath and Paradise, yet he likes breaking all the rules and stuff like that. Um, it's pure heavy metal. I love that line where he goes, Tattoo Dancer, dance for me, bitch. Yeah, I love that shit, man. Love it. Killer guitar solo, killer drumming, um, killer melodies. And, you know, Bob Daisley's lyrics are okay. Uh, what do you think of Tattoo Dancer? Uh, how do you know I don't like this song? I don't know. I just have a feeling. Yeah, you got a good feeling, too. <laughs> I think I think this is the worst song on the album. Wow. See, that's what I mean. And it's so metal. That's why. You just don't like metal songs. That's bullshit. You know I love so much fucking metal. I, I love know, heavy man. fucking shit. Like, I, 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 you, know, you know, the other day, I took... This is the first time ever. I actually took a walk listening to one of our podcasts which I want to make that a habit because it, it even makes walking more pleasurable and listening to music and believe me listening to music is fucking great by walking but I really did have a fun time and the episode I uploaded to listen to was the Twisted Sister and you hated Feel the Power but you liked the other two bonus tracks that were like eh but the, the one metal rip roaring tune you didn't like you didn't like um take you alive I know what I'm talking about and by the way I'm glad to say that I just right now cut off Ian thank you hello it's about time <laughs> it's about time I did it alright go ahead uh, I don't know where were we it's uh, the worst I, song oh, yeah. on the album according yeah. to Metal Love and Ian oh no, no 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 I'm sorry I forgot about the next song it's the second worst song on the album <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, I don't know. It, it's it just doesn't do anything for me, man. It's just kind of like as soon as it's over, I forget what the fuck I just heard. You know, it's, it's just not memorable to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then we go into one that's even less memorable, uh, Demon Alcohol, which uh, you know, it's like, man, you already did this with Suicide Solution and did it a thousand times better. But I, I think it's funny, you know, that. Uh, Bob Daisley always writes these songs about what a drunken asshole Ozzy is, and he's got to sing them. You know, it's always about his fucking problems and shit. Uh, but I, it's it's another one, man. It's just like, ah, oh, did I just hear something? You know, just totally, totally forgettable to me. What do you think of Demon Alcohol? Tied for my favorite track on the album. Wow. Uh, very heavy metal. I love it. I love that. Uh, Let's party, or I'll get you. I love that, 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 that fucking riff. It's so heavy metal. I can understand why you don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fucking killer. And this is a song that I saw him perform live that they took off the set list because they listen to Ian. 
Uh, great fucking song. Tied for my favorite track off the album. Brings an end to the album, unless you own the CD, which had a bonus track which was not credited. Uh, you don't see it nowhere on the CD, but the album was the song called Hero. Uh, the song is called Hero, and but it was. It does, it does have another title, don't it? Uh, don't go or something. I don't, know. don't you know or some sh- don't want to let you know or I don't know some shit like it's some some that's repeated in the chorus. Yeah, and yeah. I guess the uh, don't go. Yeah, and the uh, the record company was even confused of what the fuck the title was. That's why they didn't even label it because <laughs> yeah. they didn't know what the fuck it was called. Yeah, uh, that was back in the day where, in order, you know, because CDs were fairly new, that they would release like bonus tracks on all the CDs. So you would buy the CD instead of the vinyl, because the vinyl of No Rest for the Wicked did not bring this song. Yeah, and I had the cassette, and I don't think it was on the cassette. Yeah, that I wouldn't know. I never owned it on cassette. I do have it on vinyl. Though. Nice. But um, uh, you want to take this one? Because I, I think I, no, 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 no. I take this one because you took Demon Alcohol first. I love this song. Very melodic. It's uh, it's just a cool tune. You know, I can understand. It's like a great bonus track. You know, uh, I think the whole album. Like I said, you know, we already just finished the album. I didn't dislike any song. Some songs I like more than others. But this is a good melodic tune. Uh, probably the closest to No More Tears. I mean, um, uh, Ultimate Sin. Uh, I dig it. What do you think? I love it. I, I, it's one of my favorites on the fucking album. Uh, and, 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 and I love it for all the reasons you know you just stated. You know, It does sound like it could have came off the other albums. and just got a good good groove to it uh like i said it, it's weird because it didn't sound like I, I i'd heard it somewhere but i don't think it was on the cassette and i'm pretty sure i had this on cassette but uh no man i dig it and, and it, it to me is a perfect way to end the album it's a real good closing track uh so yeah hero man one of my favorites on the album but there is also a bonus track that was on the japanese edition do you really? have that What's the name of the song? The Liar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I have, you know, back in the Napster days, Kazaa, you know, back in those days, I I made a compilation of uh, Ozzy B-sides. And, and it's funny because it, it's the coolest shit you'll ever see. I named it uh, One Up the B-side because they have a song called One Up the B-side. And I found a picture of Ozzy like fucking um, uh, um, a deer that's made, of, you know, a, a, a statue that's a deer. It shows Ozzy fucking it. So I called it One Up the B-Side. It's a killer album cover. I should show you. And um, that's on there. But now for the life of me, I can't remember how it goes. Woo! Then, then you are one of the lucky ones. Because this uh, this is the ballad that got cut off the, uh, the album. Uh... And the funny thing is, though, listening to it, it's not too bad of a ballad, but man, it is killed by keyboards. I mean, and if this would have been on the album, it would have stuck out like a sore fucking thumb. I mean, sounds like nothing remotely on the on the album, and I'm, I'm so glad it was cut. Man, what what's the deal with Japanese getting bonus tracks? Okay, I often wondered that myself. I looked into it. Uh, it's because albums there cost double 
what the rest of the world pays for them. Oh, okay. And I don't know if they chalk that up to, to shipping costs, but uh, the Japanese pay way more than we do. Uh, and, and even uh, what I believe Europe pays for uh, for albums. So as a thank you, uh, you know, for like not affording food that month, they always, you know, bands always put bonus tracks on those editions. And let me tell you something. Back in the pre-downloading age, um, I used to deal with this company called Ram Music, and I used to buy so many Japanese imports from them just for those bonus tracks. I remember one of them was a Volume 8 Anthrax, which I was really disappointed in that album. The album wasn't out yet, and it brought like bonus tracks. I bought that off them. I also got Desperado, which was, you couldn't get that anywhere. By the Eagles? No, Desperado, the D. Snyder band. I know. Oh, okay, anyway, so, um, <laughs> and, and uh, Dr. Butcher. Uh, you know, they, they carried stuff you couldn't get anywhere. But I remember buying a lot of uh, Japanese imports just to get that one bonus track. And I can't even remember what the bonus track was on uh, Volume 8, whatever the hell it was. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so, um, yeah, The Liar. Uh, I don't remember it, so I yeah, can't really yeah, judge check it. Yeah, check it out after this episode. Was there, was there any more bonus tracks? Uh, there's a uh, live version of Miracle Man. Okay, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's, it's a live it's it's a live version of Miracle Man. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, what, exactly. How how mind blowing can it be? Yeah, <laughs> you already know how it goes. It's Miracle Man with with audience noise because exactly. they pretty much played it just like the album. You know? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, great, it's a great fucking song. But yeah, as far as a bonus track, it's like oh shit. I could <laughs> be wrong, but I, you know what? I think I'm almost clear when the when the show is over. And I was leaving. They played "Hero" over the the loudspeaker. Wow! I kind of remember that. You know, for some reason they played "Hero." Same thing with uh, uh, this. I know for sure. "Bark at the Moon" show when the show was over, they played "So Tired" over the speaker. Oh! That was something they did not play live. Well, that was probably to make sure everybody left the fucking stadium because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to clean it up. <laughs> that shit's terrible. Yeah, you know, actually, you're right. Everybody was gone except for me. <laughs> I, I, I got really close to the speaker and put my ear against it and cried <laughs> like a bitch. But I did I did fiddle with my anus. Ooh. Yeah. Well, was, there you stuck. go. I stuck a finger in it, just like Scott, <laughs> Scott Green says I do. <laughs> Join our Facebook page to find out all all intimate details about yeah. how I fiddle with my anus. Yeah, I think I felt you tickling my foot. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Yeah, anyway, so... No, I wish I would have tickled your foot back then. What were you, like six? Yeah, forever. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I was 14. I like the little boys. I cannot stand pubic hair. All righty, then. That was my impression of Scott Green. <laughs> so, this concludes uh, our review of this album. Like I said, came out September 28th. 1988 uh ralph hit a nail on the head it was kind of a low period for ozzy it was this this only went gold when it first came out it eventually uh i believe it went platinum by 89 but was still low for ozzy standards and then by 97 it, it's since gone double platinum oh i did not know that so it yes. kind of grew yeah yeah it, it definitely grew 
Uh, you know, I think with the, the resurgence that Ozzy had in the 90s, because, I mean, he really, he came with No More Tears. He was all over the place. No, and no, was, but, but No More Tears was a slow starter. You got to remember, when No More Tears first came out, Ozzy went on the Theater of Madness tour. Right. No, but which, you know what I mean? By, by the end of that, though, he was... Oh, yeah, tour, no, he was playing arenas. tour was huge. Yeah, yeah, he uh, was playing arenas. Because he built it as the farewell tour. No More Tours. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, <clears throat> like I mentioned, <clears throat> was ha, I'm clearing my throat. <laughs> yeah, Scott Green was there, huh? <laughs> uh, was co-produced by Keith Olsen and Roy Thomas Baker. Uh, again, all the tracks were co-written with John Sinclair, uh, Bob Daisley, and Zach Wild. And once again, he had just made peace with Bob Daisley after that. You know, they had a falling out after the writing of uh, Ultimate Sin. And Bark at the Moon and Diary of a Man. Right, right. But I mean I mean I mean they they really went their separate ways in eighty five after that was recorded. Um, and then he came back for No More Tears. Yeah. And he what went back bitch. for No More But uh, yeah something happened right after they got done recording this and he was out again. Geezer Butler came in, you know, of course played on this tour. And, uh, you know, that's pretty exciting. The funny thing is, Ozzy's solo band was more Black Sabbath than Black Sabbath at that point. You know, had more that members. That is true. In it. Yeah, that is true. Um, so, that was cool. Um, I think I said this in a previous episode, but I'll say it again. When I saw the No Rest for the Wicked Tour, there were times, like, they played Sweet Leaf that night. which And War Pigs, which was the first time Ozzy played War Pigs as a solo band. Uh, ever since, like, you know, he left Black Sabbath... He never played War Pigs till this tour. Then after No Rest for the Wicked, it became on every Ozzy tour. But and Sweet Leaf, and I remember when they played War Pigs and Sweet Leaf. I actually like when Ozzy like I would like block out Zach Wild and I'd look at Ozzy and Geezer and just fantasize I was watching Black Sabbath. That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> gayest thing I ever heard was you not liking fucking Bloodbath and Paradise. Okay. Yeah, I understand it's gay to you because I was fantasizing watching a metal band. Yeah, that's really gay to you. Yeah, yeah, go listen to your bang tango. You know, I'm leaving the show again. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Uh, there was also uh, background vocals recorded on this album, like towards the very end, right before it got mixed. Uh, so the guy wasn't credited, but it was Michael Sadler. And he's the lead singer from the Canadian band uh, Sega. You remember them? Oh, Sa- Saga, yeah. I love Saga, whatever. I love that, that band. Yeah, that really? Turn Me, Turn Me Loose. Was Turn that? Me Loose, yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great that's, band. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, he did uh, backing vocals on this album, but it's not credited. I did credited. not know that. Wow. Yeah, Hey, go. I got information on this album. The very first show, well, I don't know if the album, no, the album wasn't out yet. But the very first show Zach Wilde ever did with Ozzy, do you know about this? I'm not sure. They played a prison. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. They played a prison, and um, uh, they said, like, you know, a bunch of the prison mates were just checking out Zach. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what Zach looked like a rock star. Exactly. And and not a lumberjack. (laughs) And here's another. This is a really, this might shock you if you don't know about this. You'll never guess who almost got the job as Ozzy's lead guitarist before Zach. And I, I didn't even know this guy was a guitar player. And, and to be, like, a guitar player for Ozzy, you must be really good. The singer of the Bullet Boys. 
Really? Mark Torkin or whatever? Yeah, that guy. That no, guy supposedly almost became Ozzy's guitar player. I, I, I knew he played guitar. I didn't. Wow. I no, thought he just, it. like, blew cock. <laughs> and, and and pretended he was Daily Rob. He was good at that, pretending he was Daily Rob. <laughs> I like some bullet boys. <laughs> yeah, of course you do, because it's not it's no bloodbath in paradise. Smooth. Yeah, you like to smooth up in you. <laughs> I got that THC group. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, I know what I want to tell you. Have you ever heard um, Zach's audition tape that he sent Ozzy? Yes, I did. It's okay. on YouTube. Okay, no, I I have it. I was going to send it to you if you didn't have send it, it to me. I I just heard it on YouTube. Okay, yeah, I have that. I can send it to you. Awesome. Right There's on. actual footage on YouTube of his... What's the name of his band? Taurus or something like that? You can see uh-huh. footage on YouTube of a real young Zach Wilde doing a guitar solo. Yeah, I can't um, remember the name. Yeah. Zach rules, dude. I don't know. And you know what, man? We'll never review it, but... Uh, no, I think I already, I already had it as a pick of the week, so I'm going to... Book of Shadows? Up. Book of Shadows is one of my favorite albums of all time. And uh, as Zach is recording as we speak, Book of Shadows Part 2. Is he doing it as Zach Wilde or Black Label? Uh, that I, don't, I would imagine as Zach Wilde. Yeah, he better, man. I mean, Music for Hangovers was his attempt of doing it again. But let's see, because, I mean, I'm not foreseeing it to be as good as Book of Shadows because... I love Zach, and I love what he does still, but he doesn't have that voice anymore. And, and I know a lot of people that, that don't even listen to, you know, of course, Black Label or Ozzy, that, that love Book of Shadows, you know, because yeah. it does it. I, I think that'd be a great album to review sometime, man. I'd dig it. I love that album. Pride and Glory, too, was really, really good. Oh, yeah. yeah I love Pride and Glory. Amazing album, man, but it didn't work out. Uh, anyway, so uh, are we done? Yeah, we're ready to get into Pick of the Week. You go first. I got oh. one, actually, by the way. Then you go first. All right, I'm going to review it. Uh, my pick of the week is a Rainbow album, but it's not with Dio. Ah, shit. Yeah, I know. You don't like it. I actually, uh, Rainbow, to me, is one of those rare bands that never released a bad album. Uh, I, I love everything from the first Rainbow to Stranger in Us All. My pick would be my favorite with Jolyn Turner, the 1981 Difficult to Cure. I think that album smokes. It has like some early Rainbow, um, you know, in Midtown Tunnel Vision, uh, Freedom Fighter. But there's my favorite track, and I can't really pronounce it on here. It's an instrumental, and it's called Nish Das Nashis Mal, I think. But in parentheses, it says maybe next time. So I guess that's what it means. It's one of my favorite instrumentals of all time. It's so emotional. And that's why Richie Blackmore is one of my favorite guitar players who can shred and do everything. But this song is just pure fucking emotion. And yeah, it is a standout track. But then you have songs like Can't Happen Here that is so killer. Uh, Spotlight Kid, uh, No Release, Magic. Oh my God. D- difficult to cure the, the Beethoven Ninth Symphony thing. Uh... Solid album. I love every uh, song off it. And actually, my very first Rainbow. Uh, the first time I ever heard Rainbow was they were on uh, the King Biscuit Flower Hour. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and it was on this tour. And I remember I Surrender was on the radio back then. But I, the, I, I think the first song I ever heard from Rainbow was Spotlight Kid, because that's the song that opened that show. 
Oh, and no release. What a great... Man, this whole album is great. And I'm a huge fan of the next one, Straight Between the Eyes, that I think is just almost as good, almost tied. But my pick will be the, the superior one, the very first one with Jolyn Turner and uh, Bobby Rondinelli. And isn't Don Airy on this one? Maybe not. Uh, I think, yeah, he's I, not. yeah, I think he is. I think Don Airy is Roger Glover. Yeah, Roger Glover. Is on it. Uh, great, great album. My pick of the week, Difficult to Cure. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll listen to it after this. I, got I think it. you'll really, really like it, Ian, because it's not really that heavy metal. <laughs> I love Stone Cold. Which one's that on? That's the next album, which I love, too. You know, I have a hard time between both of them because the next album also has my favorite of the Joe Lynn Turner songs, Death Alley Driver. Yeah, that's that, a good one. That I, song rules and tearing out my heart, bringing the squeak, uh, bringing the night, eyes of fire. Oh my God, that song is total like uh, Dio esque uh, rainbow. You got to check out that. Both those albums are fucking great. I, I'll revisit it. I don't like Can't Happen Here though. I know that already. Really? Yeah. What an amazing song. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. That is kind of metal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my pick of the week is a band we just went and saw. That man, I just I'm on a kick and I cannot stop listening to him, and that is Rush. And uh, man, my my favorite '80s Rush album by far is the 1980 classic Permanent Waves. Uh, and I oh, think, yeah, th- I this, agree with you. This is a uh, it's a perfect mix of '70s and '80s Rush. You know, there's uh, hints of you know the shorter songs and stuff, but there's also some epics on here. There's only six tracks on the fucking record. Uh, of course, everybody knows uh, Spirit of Radio and Free Will. But they're, they're great fucking songs. But Jacob's Ladder, uh, Entre Nua, or how the fuck you say it, Different Strings, and fucking Natural Science. Holy shit. Solid album. Oh, yeah. Real good. Not 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 a fucking stinker on the punch. one bad track. All songs are awesome. If yeah. you were to pick, what's the worst song on that album? I mean, it's not a worst song. What's the, the song you like the least off Permanent Wave? I got one, and I love the song. I, I would have to say uh, Entre Nous, but no, I, I still love That's it. That's one of my favorites. Uh, what, what? Between us. Uh, mine would be Different Strings, and I love that I, I knew you were going to pick it, but I love Different Strings, too. I really love Different I, Strings. I love it, too, but I'd say, you know, out of all of them, I mean, I just wanted to throw that out because, you know, when you have these albums that have no fucking bad songs, they're great. You just have to throw that out. I was like, okay, I know they're all good, but what would be your least favorite? And that's always like a... A brain teaser. Your brain's like, come on, man. Yeah, and, and the funny thing there, you know, is like as many times as everybody's heard Spirit of Radio and Free Will, I never get sick of either one of those no, songs. No, <laughs> you know, not at all. And to tell you the truth, I'm sick of Tom Sawyer. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not not say, I mean, I still love it, but yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I, like, I like it too, but I don't think it's, like, you know, that is the song that everybody points at as the most classic of all Rush songs. Well, you know it, what I mean? it's, it's the most well-known, you know, it's, you know, I'd put Spirit of the Radio and Free Will above that one. Oh, yeah. No, I think they're, I think they're better songs, but it's just everybody knows fucking people who don't like Rush, you know, know Tom Sawyer or like Tom Sawyer. I love Tom Sawyer, by the way. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's just not up there to me as, you know, as classic as especially Spirit of the Radio. Yeah. That one especially because it's so... The, the lyrics the Spirit of the Radio are just so fucking genius. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, endless compromising, uh, challenging illusion of integrity. 
You know, Neil Peart is just a badass. And uh, I, I thought this was a good one to pick. We had a <clears throat> a fan on the Facebook page said they never really, you know, never really got into Rush, and they're like, what would be a good album to start with? And I picked this album just because it has 70s elements and the 80s elements, and like, you know, if you don't like this, <laughs> you know, you're not going to like the rest of it. I would have told them 2112. Yeah? I think that's the greatest starting point for Rush. Uh, it, it's it's probably my favorite Rush album, but I was just, I don't know, I was trying to think of something you get somebody into. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, I would put, nah, man, I like Fairwood of Kings more than Permanent Waves, but Permanent Waves I'd have to put my third favorite. Yeah. It's such a great album. Oh, yeah. Incredible band. It was an incredible show, man, and a uh, memory I'll never forget. Because I was sober, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, and we saw wouldn't... we saw Jacob's ladder. Yeah, yeah, it was great, great. Uh, so that's our pick of the week. Now let's go to fan of the week, and that is Nate uh, Atchison. Oh yeah, I like that guy, Nate. Nate, yeah, cool, man. Nate, yeah. Nate, uh, Nate sent me a video of his daughter headbanging and lip syncing "Fatal Fury," the Thrasher Die song. That's awesome. How cool is that? He went out and bought the album. Uh, thank you, Nate. You rule. Yeah, Nate, Nate's a real cool dude. We're happy to have him on the page. Hell yeah. And, and he even stuck by us through our fake fight. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He didn't take sides. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who, he, knows when, who knows when we'll ever air this show. It might be months <laughs> after the whole controversy, but just to let people know, we did this right after. Uh, we only done one show before this one. Since right. the fight. But this this... This is an episode I can see us throw in the, you know, in the vaults and release it later on. Yeah. But uh, when you do hear this, Nate, we appreciate you, man. You're fan of the week. Yeah, you rule, Nate. You're awesome, dude. And so is your daughter. Thank you. So, as always, got to mention that metalstation.com, where you can hear Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, hey, hey uh, Ian, hate to cut you off. Actually, I don't. But I don't. Uh, usually, when you say this part, I don't really talk. I let you go through it, and I, and I got to take a dump. Okay, there you so go. Go ahead, go ahead. Tell everybody the info. <laughs> All right. Well, probably everybody goes and takes a dump because I say this shit every week. But I got to. You never know when you're gonna have a first time listener. Uh, check out the Facebook page, man. Come enjoy. It's a fucking. Yeah, it's a crazy fucking mess there. Uh, I post videos Monday through Friday. I post uh, pictures, all kinds of shit. A uh, real good, fun place to come hang out, talk to other fucking fans of the show, other metalheads. Uh, also, check out our YouTube page where Ralph puts up the episodes. Now, they come out a lot later than their original air date. But uh, Ralph adds video to them of whatever album we're talking about, you know, that air and stuff. Just another neat way to enjoy it. Uh, also, go to iTunes. Please, uh, if you use iTunes, subscribe to the show. Leave a review, man. Uh, give us give us a five-star rating if so inclined. Holy cow, that was the fastest shit ever. You're a quick dumper. Uh, <laughs> it was a false alarm. <laughs> don't, oh. you, don't you hate when that happened? Yeah, just a fart. <laughs> I just farted and came right back. <laughs> Motherfucker. So, uh, yeah, uh, also our Amazon link, please. It's on our Podbean page to the right-hand side. Go on there. Uh, buy whatever you do through Amazon. doesn't cost you a penny more. And uh, the show gets a kickback from it. And we appreciate it. Um, you appreciate it. I don't get a dime. Yeah. Yeah. I do appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, 
Also, yeah, I've mentioned iTunes already. I think I've covered all the bases. Uh, what do you say we get to some music? Ooh, ooh, one thing I, I do want to remind. I want you guys to check out some friends of ours. Check out The Rock Show with Joe and Gully. They're also on that metalstation.com. And check out our friends at Decibel Geek Podcast. Great friends of the show, and they do great shows as well. So if you enjoy this, check those out, man. We really appreciate it. All right, man. So let's get into some music. All right. Not that I'm the biggest fan. I do love the John Arch stuff they did and uh, No Fates Exit. Fates Warning. And No Exit. I like that. But I'm not actually going to play a Fates Warning song. I'm going to play them doing a cover. And it's off my all-time favorite tribute album, which actually comes... I mean, in America, they only released uh, one CD. But in Europe, there was a two-CD version, or maybe it was just Japan. And I have it. It's a tribute to Judas Priest. I think it's called Tribute to the Metal Gods, where, God, man, there's so many good stuff on there. Like Devin, I got that. Devin Townsend doing Sinner's amazing. Uh, who else is on that? Um, oh, there's a, oh, Halloween doing Exciter, or was it Gamma Ray? One of the two. It's just awesome, and I love, love, love Fate's Warning's version of here of the classic of stained class. This is Saints in Hell.
was Faith's Warning with Saints in Hell. That's a great, one of my favorite Judas Priest songs. Off my favorite Judas Priest album. Uh, amazing cover. Um, all right, so now we're going to throw it to Ian. What's up? All right, here's another one. This is an underground band a lot of people don't know, but if you know, you love it. This is a band called Sanctuary. Oh, yeah. Yes, and this is off of Refuge Denied. This is their namesake song. This is Sanctuary. Born from 
Sanctuary with Sanctuary, produced by Dave Mustaine. Uh, great album. I I own that baby. I own both. I highly recommend the first two albums. The new one is good too, but it doesn't hold up as good as the first two. But maybe I haven't listened to it enough. But it is good. I'm not saying the new Sanctuary. Their first album in what twenty somewhat years. Oh yeah. Because they they for, they went on to be Nevermore, and then uh, they broke up or they're on hiatus because their amazing guitar player left the band and without that guy, what was his name again? Logan. Yeah, no, Jeff Loomis. Jeff Loomis. What are who, who almost at one point almost joined uh, Megadeth. Megadeth. Yeah, Megadeth. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, I I wouldn't be uh, upset if he became the new guitar player. That's yeah. for damn sure. The guy's a monster, and for him to leave Nevermore, it's like wow, dude. It's like you know, I can understand why they reformed Sanctuary. You know. We hope you enjoyed that. Come back next week when our special guest host is Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre. We talk about Carol King's tapestry. He's still alive? Next week. Yeah. Okay. Next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I won't be here. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. All rights reserved, Dean Wadley. Any use of this show without express written permission, I will give Terrence Reardon your phone number. Bitch. <laughs> I love that.